Welcome to Weekly Insights at Winthrop Capital Management, where we discuss recent developments currently shaping the markets and industries in the global economy. Here's your host, Chief Investment Officer, Greg Hahn. Good morning, everybody. I'm Greg Hahn, President of Winthrop Capital Management, located in Indianapolis, Indiana. And with me in the studio, Amy, good morning, Production Coordinator. And Adam Coons, good morning. Good morning. It's a wet, rainy day in yep. Indianapolis, but it's spring. So we had a nice, nice warm oh, weekend yes, yeah. and just more rain. <laughs> um, we got a lot to cover today. So the, the world is changing. And um, so it's impacting how to invest in the, the, uh, the things that we look at to, to determine valuations and risk. So um, to start out with, before we get into the equity stuff, we wanted just to go through that list of what's changed. And it's important from an investment standpoint that we recognize these changes because no one in the Federal Reserve or no one in the government is going to write you a memo and say, we've made the following changes that are going to impact your decisions. <laughs> All we're going to do is put disclaimers on things that say, uh, no guarantee that <laughs> past results will represent future results, right? So um, here, here it goes. So there's five things that we want to focus on. One is the global economy is slowing. Initially, we thought with the with the pandemic subsiding that we'd see this global economic growth, especially the with the fiscal and monetary stimulus that was pumped into the economy and the capital markets over the last two years. Stimulus always. Uh, supports asset prices, but we are seeing the economy slowing and the Russian invasion of Ukraine has resulted, that's compounded the slow, the global slowdown. Europe was already slowing ahead of that, but um, that's one issue is a glo- global economic slowdown. The second is the Federal Reserve's indicated an intention of pulling its stimulus out of the market. So that stimulus supported asset prices when it's the reverse, when monetary stimulus comes out of the market, uh, asset prices will fluctuate, and we're starting to see that. The unknown of where um, where the Fed's going to go with interest rates is really um, one, one of the compounding effects right now and contributing to volatility, especially in the equity market. The third issue is inflation. Inflation's accelerated. And this um, started with the um, supply chains. It actually started with the um, tariff issues with China. Um, that that laid the groundwork for rising prices, but was compounded because of the supply chain disruptions during the early stages of the pandemic. So inflation has accelerated past the Fed's target of 2%. We're running at 8.5%, the highest rate of inflation since 1981. Flock of seagulls, Adam. <laughs> exactly. It's a good reference. So, <laughs> so the, the, uh, that was a long time ago. Um, so interest rates, the, third, the fourth issue, excuse me, interest rates are increasing. That's partly because the Fed has said we're going to, largely because the Fed has said we're going to push short-term interest rates up. But the 10 years gone up to a 293, its highest level since 2018, before the pandemic. And the Fed's also indicated a much more bolder move than what we saw back in the period 2015 to 18 when they were going in 25 basis point increments. Here we're, we're seeing 50 basis point increments. And the whole desire is the Fed gets back to a neutral stance. We don't know what neutral means, but um, they want to make sure that they can pivot when the economy rolls over and they need to start flooding the market again with liquidity. Yeah. And then finally, the fifth issue is that corporate earnings um, – are really showing signs of slowing. And we're going to talk about this here in a second, but the Netflix earnings last week really cast a cloud over the market. And we're seeing downbeat reports now from retailers 
tech, healthcare. So it's even though FactSet's going to show 80% of company earnings so far have beat earnings, it, the guidance is not good. So these are compounding effects that are impacting valuations. And it, really, the important takeaway is that it doesn't work the same way it's worked in the last two years during the pandemic when mo- money was flowing into the system. Um, we hit all-time highs, record highs in, in, in equity valuations. Now that's being, the, the stimulus is being pulled out and um, expected returns are going to be lower. So that's kind of the, 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 the landscape. Adam, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, some, some of the equity earnings. Yeah, so like you, you talked about at the beginning, Netflix, just a, a really tough quarter. And this is the second quarter in a row that's been quite a disappointment. Um, but when you, the most important thing when you're a growth company is, is showing growth and at negative 200,000 uh, subscribers uh, this quarter. Now, that was largely attributable to they shut down Russia, which was 700,000 subscribers, but that was still well short of the 2.5 million subscriber growth that was expected. So I think what we're seeing here is, if you remember, they did increase prices. Uh, so you're seeing what was once perceived as Netflix having tremendous pricing power mm-hmm. is now eroding. And so the business model itself is it's coming into question. Right. And so the Netflix business model is a subscriber-based model. Yep. And and the inroads from advertising-based models, because Netflix has always said we're not going to do yep. that. And the advertising-based models are, are really making inroads. Yep. So, I mean, and so Netflix is somewhat conceding and saying they're going to contemplate an ad-supported right. <laughs> offering to this, this lower price. So then we saw last week CNN shut down CNN plus. Yeah. Warner Brothers shut that down. So, you know, this, this is an industry that's really fragmented. I and mean, it seems like there was a new player every week, but you know, you've got, you know, your, your big ones are your, your Hulu, your Netflix yeah. um, and Disney. But then you had all these others, you know, Apple came in and there's all the smaller ones. So there's just so many programs. So I was watching a show on Amazon last night and it, and it was I like watching the show and I wasn't used to it, but all of a sudden these ads popped up and I was first, I thought, Oh, that's part of the show. <laughs> and I thought, Oh man. So it's advertising, but the difference is that they're very, very short ads. Yeah. Um, but I don't believe that that's always going to be the case, but it, it did kind of ruin the experience on the streaming for me. <laughs> right. Well, and then it comes into question is it, entertainment is, is evolving as well. It's not just, TV shows or movies anymore. It's it, as we were talking about investment committee, the amount of hours that people are now spending on TikTok, scrolling through hours, you know, or on Instagram, watching stories, or or even YouTube. You know, um, yeah. it always comes back to how Google or Alphabet dominates. But it's no longer just competing with the you know the big broadcasters and the shows they're coming out with. It's it's about everything that's capturing eyeballs. And we could even go down the path that that Facebook or Meta and, and this supposed metaverse uh, is also going to to steal <laughs> ad revenue and, and eyeball. So I think I think the whole media space in general is is kind of hitting a bit of a wall for now with it being so broken apart. Yep. Um, and I think when we all talked in, about it is trying to see who's going to be the winner is just really difficult right now. Yep. 
Um, anyway, so moving on, Johnson Johnson also came out with earnings last week. Um, they reported 267 versus a 258 uh, expectation. Uh, they did miss on revenue, 23.4 billion versus 23.6. Uh, but revenue is still up 5% year over year. Uh, so I, I would say this is still a really good quarter. Um, the stock itself is, is a bright spot in the S&P 500. Uh, it's up 6% year to date versus obviously the S&P is down uh, 10%. Uh, but they did say that they are no longer going to provide guidance on COVID-related uh, revenue from the vaccine. Uh, so you're just kind of seeing that start to taper as more and more people have gotten in and kind of becoming fully saturated there. But um, at 17 times earnings, um, it is one of the more expensive names in the healthcare space. Uh, it gets a little bit of a, a boost because it's that conglomerate. But uh, when you compare it to Merck at 12 times or uh, Bristol-Myers at nine times, it is a little bit rich here. So um, it's, it's kind of a safety play, but something we're looking at. And then, like I said, this week we get, we get the big earnings, uh, Apple, uh, Meta, Alphabet and Microsoft. So I think those will kind of be the big drivers for what happens this week. Yeah. And and for listeners that are um, old enough to remember when AT&T was split up in the early 80s, split up into the regional bells, out of that became Verizon. And then over the next 20 years, those regional bells uh, reformed. It's kind of like that Terminator thing where the, <laughs> the guy comes together. Yeah. <laughs> so they reformed into two companies, AT&T and Verizon. Verizon so they're very different looking companies than they were yeah. back when they were baby bells. Uh, but um, so Verizon released earnings last week and they saw they reported profits down 13 percent. And um, they attributed that to higher consumer prices, heavier corporate expenses and rising interest costs. But that one that corporate expense piece of it, every company is going to have to deal with rationalizing corporate expenses. Yep. Because we've just lived through the golden years yeah. these last three or four years. So I think that was very telling. Um, the other thing I think worth talking about, Adam, is the Disney with what's going on with Disney. Yep. Um, you've been following the uh, the Disney district and <laughs> the governor in Florida's um, active repeal of uh, the incentives that Disney has. How, how does that impact the, um, the, the stock price? Well, I think you know, more clarity on on really what's going to happen. There's some rumors running around. Uh, you know, is Disney going to leave Florida? I think that's really unlikely. That's a pretty. You can't really up your theme park <laughs> right. <and> move. <laughs> but you know, I think I think it obviously does change things. That near term revenue hit from what I'm seeing is is about three percent um, when, when you when it kind of flows through when you talk, when you talk about the tax bill and the the fact that they're going to have to. Um, you know, pay for for more other services, but um, I, I don't. I think this is a lot more noise than anything else. I think ultimately the two will kind of work things out. It's it's mutual beneficial for the two of them. <laughs> well, it's a done deal. I think I think what um, Disney had had announced that they're going to relocate two thousand workers from California to Florida, and the, the message that was just sent by the governor of Florida is that if you cross me, we're going to make it painful for you, which is really hard. to when you're trying to attract businesses to the sure, state of Florida. Yeah. So I think they've got a bit of a PR issue that they've got to deal with. Yeah. Um, and then whether this is an election cycle that works through where this gets normalized or not. But I think right now it does, it, it will have a financial impact yeah, so, unless yeah. they can work out. But but I don't know that Florida can absorb this. Right. So this is going to be interesting because uh, although it was intended to inflict pain on Disney, it... <laughs> These services now, which are fire department, police, yes. building, the, the whole process of, 
approving buildings and stuff like that has to be absorbed somehow. So it's a staffing issue. Yep. Um, what else is on your plate, Adam? Um, I mean, just when you're kind of talking about winners and losers, I, I think I was just going through um, the S&P 500 and, you know, the, the index is down 10%, which is a tough year, but there's just big moves out of companies uh, this year that I don't think we've seen in a while. I mean, we just talked about Netflix, which is down 65% year to date, but we got name, big names. I mean, PayPal, Facebook, AMD, Lennar, all down almost 40% year to date. Then you got these, on the other side, you've got a lot of names that are up. You know, Nielsen's up 56%, Twitter's up 35%, United's up 25%. So there's just a, a lot of dispersion uh, in names that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. Um, which I think is a big tell about how, how are you able to push costs through and and labor issues. And so it's just, it's it's a difficult year to pick stocks, honestly. So this is, in our models, we normally when, we're, if there is such a thing as normal, uh, we're running fully invested. However, we're in a position, we're in, we're in a situation now where uh, you, we're using higher cash balances in our models as, as this um, transition is taking place. And it's not a timing issue. We get criticized sometimes that we're trying to time the market. This is based on valuation and expected returns. And so cash is an asset class that won't won't decrease in value, right. where your fixed income portfolio with rising interest rates can decline in price and obviously yep. equities. So right now it's a tactical position, but we've increased cash across all of our models, I think. Yes, yep. Yeah. So um, more to come on that that issue, um, but we're still in this journey. It's not <laughs> it's it's not the end point where valuations end and now we start buying. But we're in a journey where valuations are are changing, and especially those growth stocks are really really getting hit. Yep. All right. Anything else on your agenda? Um, I guess just real briefly, just on the bond market, and, and we wanted to talk about the Fed a little bit more. As obviously the markets are priced in two hundred seventy five basis points of uh, you know, hikes this year, credit spreads keep widening. Uh, so fixed income has been pretty difficult. Uh, liquidity is actually getting worse and worse. Um, we had to raise some cash for a client on Friday and it was extremely difficult to find liquidity. Um, I think what you're seeing is a lot of guys are loss constrained now, so they can't sell anything because right. bonds are down, you know, 10 or more percent yep. for the first time ever. And so they don't want to lock in that loss. But then conversely, I think people are just scared to get in front of the Fed here and, and yep. buy bonds. So it's, it's just been really difficult. And um, I just wanted your take on, you know, what do you think the Fed's really going to be able to do here? So up until this point, we always believed that the Fed would not risk um, – um, cratering the economy. It was the whole point of this stimulus was to support economic growth. But the the switch now to fighting inflation um, and trying to get ahead of it is they're willing to sacrifice economic growth for inflation. But here's, here's the, the problem, is that this inflation is not totally demand-driven. So if it was 100% demand-driven inflation, rising interest rates would curtail demand and then you, 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 once you cut off demand, you could get price, uh, prices under control. Yep. This has as much to do with supply chain disruptions and, and structural issues in the, uh, in the economy and capital markets, mostly the economy, than it does the, the demand issues. So I'm concerned that, this, that we, we risk a policy mistake from the Federal Reserve trying to get in front of inflation, which is part, part of it is, is demand-driven. Yeah. So you cut off demand. How, what does that do for housing? And you still have people still have to move. It just becomes more painful. But yep. there's a shortage of housing, yep. so that would just be one example. Autos, 
right? How much, have a car. <laughs> right? There's demand. There's still demand, but there's no supply. So yeah. we're going to cut off demand. <laughs> but the auto, the auto um, lots are still reassembling. Yep. So there's just a few examples. All right. Well, with that, thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you through the week. All investments are subject to risk, including the possible loss of the money you invest. The information presented in this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and does not take into consideration your personal circumstances or other factors that may be important in making investment decisions. You may access and download this podcast only for your personal and non-commercial use. You may not use it in any other manner or for any other purpose without Winthrop's written permission. Copyright 2022, Winthrop Capital Management, LLC, all rights reserved.